You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico. This morning we're talking with my new friend Taryn Alvallo, and I say new friend because we've known of each other for a while competitively, but I really appreciate uh, us connecting and being able to talk a little bit about softball and pitching and kind of you entering the instructional aspect and, and kind of the teaching aspect of, of softball. And Taryn, we were talking a little bit about international play, right? And international play and how exciting that is and how that can, how that's different from what you experienced with the College World Series. And kind of listening to you talk a little bit, it makes me think about, like you had just mentioned right now, the height of the highest level of pressure, the most intense crisis time that you experienced with Washington. It seemed like to me, that's when your training really paid off. You know, the ability to take the uh, highest amount of pressure, the greatest expectation, and, and I, I'll talk a little bit here in a couple of minutes about getting back to that, that process, right, of how to play. And so you had mentioned that having coaches there that can help you and know your no signs and things like that and versus pitching internationally when you don't have that same type of support. So at Washington, where did that support come from? I mean, obviously you guys worked on it off the field, but during the game, how, who would help keep you kind of in check? Would it be other pitchers, sis, coaches, combination of people? What would you say? It was definitely a combination of people. Um, I think more towards my, the end of my senior years when I utilized those resources a lot more. My biggest person that I went to 24 Flores, um, or Emma Helm really, if she was catching, but more so towards the end of my senior year when Morgan Flores was out there. And I mean, you can see it in the World Series when we were playing UCLA especially. I mean, I would get into a behind and then I could just throw two balls and I'm calling timeout. I'm calling her out. She knows how like the right things to say. She's a very mellow, very calm person. So she like is super compatible with my crazy fire, my, you know, just my overthinking. Um, she knows how to like, just be like, okay, like we're just going to work through this. Um, sis was a, a good person for me. I would turn around and sis would always be there making eye contact with me. And then my last checkpoint was my center fielder. Um, it was like, okay, if I wasn't looking at my center fielder right before I turned back around to face my next pitcher or my next pitch, um, there was something wrong. I wasn't hitting all my focal points. I wasn't breathing. I wasn't going through my routine and I wasn't, you know, convicted in that next pitch. I was still hung up on the last one. And so sometimes it called, you know, timeouts from teammates or our coaches coming out for a timeout. If they didn't see me breathing, if they didn't see me stick into my routine, they knew it wasn't going to end well. So it was just all about working my routine cons like consistently. And then when I'd come into the dugout, we would talk about what just happened. And then we would briefly talk about what is coming up next. So and then once I got into the dugout, it was kind of like I was left alone to think and to just breathe and then be there, you know, cheering on my team. Which and is then, a good thing, but it's weird at first, right? When you come up and you're, you're throwing heat. I mean, you know, again, for those that don't know, you're, you built your name on throwing hard, throwing gas, going out there, going after people. So the concept of slowing down, did you, did you accept it or fight it at first? And I definitely think I, yeah, I definitely think I, I butted the idea. I didn't really want to be, you know, this, at first I was like, I just want to throw hard. I want to have all the strikeouts. And I had to learn to not be a slave to the strikeout because at that level for the Pac-12, for the Women's College World Series, international ball, I mean, all of these things, I could not base my career off of getting up and striking everyone out because it wasn't going to happen. What was going to happen was I was going to go up there and I was going to pitch. I was going to pitch to my defense. I was going to pitch to the batters. I was going to pitch to my scout. And then it was like all of those things resulted in a strikeout or resulted in a really good game. Right. And it was when I transitioned in from a result-based mindset to more of a trust the process, pitch by pitch, and then the result's good. So, so I think works. that's what I learned. It works. That really works. You know, you know again, it, it, but we can relate. And, I, you know, anyone that's played ball – you come up fiery, right? When you have that high fire that burns. Cause I talk about trying to find that balance of your fire, either it's too low. You got to bring it up. It's too high. You got to bring it down. Very rarely does someone have like the perfect balance every now and then, but really not everyone's got to learn. And so that importance of being able to take what's going on, 
slow things down and understand that, yeah, the process leads to the result. The thing that you want most, when you obsess about that only, then you get it the least often. And it's such a weird process to, to understand. But when it does, and so, you know, Washington has one of the best coaching staffs in, in the country, right? And they're, no, and they're known for that. So were you kind of giving yourself to the system, doing what you're doing because you're following good coaching, and then you would see the results and go, aha, like, I get this. Because it's not an instant trust just because you're at a place and you want to be there. It's like, you know, whether it's our program or any other program, that, that it's a process that has to unfold itself. And then when you start to taste it, you start to realize that, wow, this really works. When did that start to happen? What year for you at Washington was like, okay, this is now key for me winning that big game, not winning 80% of my games and losing the last couple that we need, but now this is the key getting all the way through. I think if I sit back now and I look back at all four years, there was glimpses of it in every year that I pitched. Um, I don't think it was, it wasn't when I, because each, year until my senior year I was hurt so my freshman year I hurt my ankle sophomore year I hurt my arm junior year I broke my rib so it was kind of like each year I was faced with a different adversity and it wasn't you until, that before that or was that new uh, once you got to college the, the injury I was kind of new I mean I had always I've always had like a weird knee thing that my knees always kind of been an issue but it's never kept me from playing um and it, I think it was just my body was changing. I was working out more. I was putting my body through stress. And it wasn't until my junior year that I really had a lot of help from Gabby. My freshman and sophomore year, I, I, you know, I, I threw the majority of the innings. We had other pitchers. Um, but I mean, I was, I was getting a lot of the work in and I think my body just, it didn't hold up to what I was trying to put it through. And when I pitch, I'm a very strong and explosive pitcher. Right. Emotion alone. I put body out of stress doing that day in day out even on rest days I'm still finding ways to work out and it just it broke on me and I wasn't eating right I wasn't doing what I needed to do getting the right amount of sleep it was just all an equation for something bad to happen and it wasn't until after my rib injury that I was like I can't have this again. I can't go through another year, my last year, and be hurt. I can't sit out more. I can't do this. And that was when it kind of switched from, it was like, okay, I need to, I need to work out, but do the right kinds of workouts. So Coach Tar got me really, really like invested in Pilates. Um, actually, Noel, he was my Pilates partner because she had some, some things that we were working working on we went to there's a there's a Pilates studio right next to campus and so we were doing that like two three times a week and just working on not conditioning we weren't working on power lifting or getting strong we were working on our own body and just stretching and stringing these little muscles that you you don't get and it wasn't until I did that that I started gaining speed I wasn't I was, I threw the hardest I've ever thrown my senior year and toward the end of my senior year when I started bodies and getting my body right. And then that's when my mind kind of caught up with me. It was like, wait a second, all this stuff is happening. Now all I have to do is just add in these tools that I've learned through the last three years. And then ultimately that's, you know, the end of my career at Washington, I think was the best I well, it's, all it's, the kind of, it's kind of learning together. to get out of your own way, right? So, yeah. so you, you, you work and, and it's, it's, you labor and you labor. And again, you're competitive. So you got to put your hands on it. It's, it's, it's at, at certain levels of a lot of things, sports, uh, playing, coaching, business, you learn to back off, especially when you're the one that leads things, right? So you're used right. to taking charge. You're used to saying, here's where we're going. But it's also allowing now your body to be efficient. So, you know, to how many young pitchers, you know, think that, and if you watch their motion, right? So, you know, we talk, we try to talk a lot about rhythm and behavior. And I right. feel like that's something that a lot of people don't get to that level. It's so, it, it, they don't get past just what the body's doing mechanically. Mm -hmm. And there's an expression. So I, I talk about almost like an avalanche. If we watch Taryn Alvello pitch, we watch you pitch, I would do this. I go, and, right. and so from the beginning, when that choke comes up, right? When you, when you're rocking back to me, that's the beginning of the snowball it gets, starts to get bigger. And this whole thing. And if you watch a lot of pitchers, a lot of times 
their first motion is very fast. And so you don't feel this yeah. something getting bigger and bigger. It kind of just spins out. So right. being efficient with your body and finding a rhythm, is that something that you consciously worked on or did it kind of find itself out, uh, find itself as well? It was definitely an evolution. Um, my pitching coach actually, actually kid from like, and he, he's, he's from here. He's from, and who, who and is it? His name is Ray. He's, he actually works Lexi Polson. She'll be a Husky here still in high school. Um, she went to Ohio state. Some of these other locals that from this area, these gyms that are in Ohio, like a lot of people don't think that Ohio produces the mass amount of athletes that we do. And he's managed to find his way into the softball world and just polish all of these athletes. And I mean, not just pitchers, hitters, everything in his mind is awesome he tell, tell me his name again because you cut out on the wi-fi sorry he majeko one more time <laughs> randy majeko got it okay we just we just got a little okay. skippy wi-fi i want to make sure that we get his name okay yeah and and um he he sent me the other day he sent me an evolution so it was video clips of me pitching from i think eighth grade and it was wow. one every year, all the way up to this past Christmas for my senior year. So it was all the, like, every single year. And you can see my motion's always been the same. They started in my senior year. I tried to switch my motion up a little bit. Um, so if you watch clips from me pitching in Mexico, I was coming up. And that was because we were trying to figure out a way not to hurt my rib again. Um, but then I actually, in the middle of a us playing Central Florida, I switched because I wasn't comfortable throwing as hard and I wasn't getting as much movement. It wasn't me. Right. Um, so, yeah, a little middle of a game. One inning, I'm pitching that way, and the next inning, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to go right back to how I pitch, and I did that, and then I did, ended up doing better. But he has that, and you can see, obviously, mechanically, you know, I'm still learning on things, and some I'm leaving my backside. But everything I was doing in my motion, it was – Okay, getting a little bit of a negative motion ends up going back, but that was mostly just books. I've, I've never been to swing my arm back. I think that hurts the shoulder personally, um, and I think it also takes away from row. And I know some pitchers, Rachel Garcia comes back and she throws hard as crap, and she's really freaking good. Like, there's some pitchers that make it work. I don't think that across the board, every single pitcher can do that big arm swing and get what they want out of it until they know their body. Um, and so I was taught to kind of get a little bit of a rock, but then everything I have is, is pushed forward. And you can see all this video. It's just little motion. Forward. And it's like, from then it was just driving because of a, a, a car crash. My, my, my motion running. And then, into a walk oh, I'm man. like stopped you're killing me right now I, I, I love this stuff right we're getting skippy on the wi-fi and I want to make sure we're capturing as much because we may have this whole conversation over if we need to because this is yeah. the potatoes Taryn this is the stuff for me like this is what I feel like I want to pass on to young pitchers for them to start hearing because there's there's right. uh, I don't know if it's the instruction or the mentality. There's just something that's different. There's there's something that's different from some of these uh, type of instructors that you were able to experience. There's a different motion. There's a different uh, the way they pitch, their sequences, everything. And it's, again, we just want to provide information to uh, to players so that they can again learn all the things they can learn to have a chance to be the best they can be. Who else do you would you you know? when you think of your instructors and coaches, when you first started, who was, who inspired you? Who are some key people that you grew up with that were a big part of your love for softball? Um, and it wasn't because a lot of these people weren't na like known. They were locals from, um, when I was younger, um, mostly my family. I mean, they obviously drove me, both my parents were athletes. So they, they understood, they knew what it took. And so they always pushed me even when I'd be, like no like that was not don't do that and then once I started working with Chris from California she pitched at Ohio State and 
played for the Netherlands national team. And she was like my, my first legit pitching coach, um, who just for mechanics, the things she taught me, it was, it was awesome. And the things she would have me do. And even still to this day, I'm very, um, online. I actually came out to Corona a few years ago during the PGF weekend and I did, and I worked with on leg drive and explosion and it wasn't. And then I went into Erica beach. So when Christy left, um, Ohio to go back to California, I worked with Erica beach. Um, she was a coach. Now she lives down in, I think, New Mexico. She coached at New Mexico state for a little bit. And then I worked with Jamie Ward, a girl who did Ohio state. Um, yeah, and then, girl. yeah, so all these girls that kind of came in, they were playing, you know, in at Ohio State, and that was a chance. And at that point, I was living in Southern Ohio. So two, three times a week, we were driving up to Columbus. So that's like a two-hour drive. So is that the lesson school you guys love? Is that, is that the college you guys, you followed growing up? Was it the Ohio State yeah. program? So did yeah, you it was it was because we cut out again. Did you say it was Christy DeVries? Yeah, Christy DeVries. So, uh, so quick, something real quick on the ladies you had mentioned. So she was a, I believe a 12 and under firecracker. Mm-hmm. She played for Robert Young, who is Marissa Young's dad, who is the head coach. Okay. at Duke. And so, okay. so that, yeah. So I could, I, I, so when you mentioned her, I remember her at 12 and yeah, she was good. And I remember her going on to Ohio state. So that's an interesting tie-in. And then Erica Beach. So if you, I don't know how much you know about Erica, but Erica competed and grew up with Natasha Watley, Amanda Freed, all of the top Olympians. And Erica owned herself. Like Mm -hmm. Erica owned it. I I have some videotapes of Erica at Arizona State throwing three, two change-ups to Natasha Watley. I mean, (laughs) Erica expected to win. She walked around with a certain, like this confidence. She would get up and dance in front of everybody. Like Erica is one of the most like energetic, great people to be around. But the story of her ownership, because again, I think people get validation in so many different ways. How hard did you throw or did you win the big game? No, Erica wasn't like that. These were true players and she played the game the right way. So I would imagine, like, what would you say one big thing you got to, you took away from working with Erica? I think it was definitely that. Because um, she was working with me in a time when my mind was super easy to mold. And I remember one thing is I'd throw something. She'd go, oh, that was the sick, nasty. Yes. And it was, it was just funny because then it would be like I'd be paying home with my dad and I'd be like, oh, sick, nasty. And so it was just like something that that confidence that she would give me in my pitching lesson right through to my other lessons and then into my game. And, you know, I saw her at the world series not too long ago and she was with my family and it was just like the same. She's like, Oh baby. She gives me a big hug and she's Erica. Like that's just how she is. And that, that, that confidence that she had and that she brought to Ohio state at at that time that she was there, it was definitely something that I think bled into who I have become. And I realizes it that that just that spunkiness I mean I'm kind of off the wall a little bit too I'm kind of I'm a little bit more reserved um but I have a quirkiness to me I have this you know I'm a little bit goofy in certain things and I've learned how to kind of channel that and I think it was from her well you know it's really funny because I I can see I I'm seeing like after the at bat or after something happened in the way because it, it's it's called engagement right when you're engaging the batter so Danielle Lowry it's top of the uh, be like like look at you and me man we're going at it so yeah. and that's what I it, it was a good well for Erica it was very healthy competition because she liked her friends right? I mean they're all her friends you grew up to right. against each other against each other but it was that confidence of her ownership that you know. And, and a good sassy, not a bad sassy. It's, it's total like, man, she owns her stuff. So I, I, I'm really glad you brought that up and that, uh, yeah, I'll make sure Erica gets a hold of this as I can see that because that's a pretty cool tie-in. And to know for other people to hear just, again, who's kind of tied into your story and kind of what happened. Right. So Taryn, I want to swing towards, um, you know, you're getting into instruction and talking about your story and, and, and hearing, you know, about your growth and stuff. What is it that you want to pass on to your students? Like when you think like with your experience, you think of your learning curve, how pitchers are taught, you know, they, they have a certain mindset growing up. 
what is it that you really want to pass on to your students when they're when they're done when they've spent that time working with you what is it that they, you feel like you want them to take away from their time with you what is there anything in, in particular that said i want to make sure they either get this or they don't do that or anything that stand out i think it's with pitching the, to be an elite level pitcher and not just you know an elite level in the sense of the world series at Washington or the PAC 12. I mean, you can be an elite level person at every division. You don't have to be considered elite just by who you play for. It's an attitude. It's, it's a way of living to be elite. Um, and I think when you went with me, I mean, some of my lessons can talk about it when I don't just talk about pitching all the time in my lessons, I talk about, confidence I talk about you know I'll ask somebody oh how was school today I'm like, oh, it was okay I'm like well, okay why was it just oh, okay and they're like well you know I didn't do this well on a test and I'm like okay do you know what went wrong do you know how, what what led to those events and so it's really big even in pitching your preparation everything you do before you know as it's leading up to before the event you know, that's where your confidence comes from. Your confidence comes from preparation. And when you are prepared, you're able to be that elite version of yourself in every aspect of your life. And, and I think it's in huge and even in pitching because you can't go up there and expect to be great and be afraid. To, you have to know you're fail and you have to know it's okay to fail. You know how to get back up and be better. And it's, and it's that fear of failure that drives people or it can break people. And I think that's what I try to turn that fear of failure into a good thing. We're going to fail and we're going to fail together. I'm going to be here every step of this lesson and every step of the career until you leave me. And then I'm going to watch you when I'm 40, 50 years old and I'm sitting at home and I'm watching you on TV. I get to experiences through you because I know you and I helped you build the career into the sense of when you're up there I don't I'm happy you're striking people out. I'm happy you're winning but I want to see how you handle the hard times that's where I'm going to get how that that's where my satisfaction comes from and I think that's come from my own personal story with softball I fail a lot I mean I you could probably ask coach Tar. I was not an easy person to always be with um I was I was very hard on myself and I was very I'm a very confrontational person in the sense if somebody else isn't holding up their end of the line I will let them know sure. um and in some ways that is a bad trait for some people because I need I needed to learn at one point I can't just verbally tell somebody get your head out of your butt because they don't they don't respond well to that right so that's, I've that's learned good point because it's it's learning how to be a leader you're a natural leader and you're not afraid to say what needs to be said and there are certain people like that. So if you look at a lot of co uh, softball coaches, most of them that, you know, at, at all kinds of levels, they're not afraid to say the things they need to say, but learning how to be a leader. And that's a process, Taryn. I mean, so you, you have what was given to you, but learning to be that leader. So part of what you're describing, too, is that you want your students to be um, to understand that fear is part of what you do. But it sounds like you help them separate dealing with fear versus being a disappointment. To me, that feeling of disappointing people and disappointing their dads or the car ride home or whatever it is. And I'm often talking with our, our guys, our men, to get them to understand because most men don't think about like that. When they're chewing you out in the car ride home, they're not thinking about how that makes you feel. They're just wondering, how did this happen today, right? So right. it sounds like you also separate that from your, your, for your students so that they can be safe with failing is not a definition of you. Right. And I think too, and my dad, you go, dad's chewing you out. My dad had a rule. You had 15 minutes for me to say whatever I want to say about our performance as a whole. Cause he coached me a lot of my career. So it was never just what I did wrong or what I did right. It was always like what our team did or how you performed compared to how you performed yesterday or how you will tomorrow. And it was like, we had to talk about it. And then after that, it was done. The game was over with. We had our chance to kind of conclude and come together, and then it was over with. I mean, we would still talk softball. It would always not – it would be looking forward. Um, 
And of course, and my mom was in the car too. She's like, okay, I'm done. We're going to listen to some music now. And she'd turn on some eighties rock and we'd be rocking on the way home. So it was, I had a very diverse, like from both sides. My mom was a, my mom is a hard butt. Let me tell you, like, and there's no BS with her. I messed up. Oh, you better own it. Cause that's just the simple hard truth. And then my dad's more soft around the edges where he's bubbly. He wants to make you feel okay. Like I want you to know, but I want you to also know that I still love you. And look how it, you have both. And I have both. Right? And it wasn't. I believe that the, the instructor or anybody that cares, you know, and can deliver the physical part of it. You know, you, you're, you're always going to be known for Taryn Alvello and the things that we can Google you for and see you speak on TV. But to hear the story of how you love your students and to hear you talk about how you want to, you know, get to know them so that you can know how to shape them because that's that's more important than what you're going to do physically with them, right? And then you understanding the importance that that winning. So there are a lot of pitchers that know how to pitch a ball, but how many of them know how to win? Right. And how many of them are winning? How many of them are experiencing the success that they really should be able to experience in the circle. How many of them are only experiencing success because they have a good pitch caller in the dugout, but they've never learned how to call their own pitches. So how do you feel about like that? What's the difference between, you know, you throwing, you know, 70 plus and having those numbers that everybody dreams about, right? Because you see, you see how many young ladies are holding it up the pocket radar and I hit 60 and I hit this and we want them to be inspired. Right. But at some point it's almost unhealthy because it's like, I would never want a pitcher to look at this and go, oh, right. No, I, I'm still only throwing this. I, I, we've won with 59 mile an hour pitchers. Nyree White, Coach Mike White's uh, daughter, uh, threw, threw, well, I mean, she threw, she could hit 60, but she was not this hardest throwing pitcher. And I felt like we could have beat anybody with her, Taryn, because right. of how she pitched. So that right. one, I like that because my cat's right here in the corner. So that's, <laughs> but that, you know, winning is not just throwing hard, right? It's, and you know, I, I don't think I ever once took a picture with a radar gun. Like, I don't think it was ever something like I always wanted, I always knew I threw harder than people around me. Um, one, because like I said before in my, in our last, I was a big grass fed girl. Like I was big. And so I, I just had this strength that not a lot of people are real that have now on the other end of that, I didn't know where the ball was going to go. So my pride and joy came from, oh, I can hit two pitches in the, in the same spot in a row. That's where I was like, I had my victory. So what do you say to, you, to, the, to the girls that, you know, and again, it's not that I don't want them to be interested in their speed. That's not it. But what do you say to them to make sure that they maintain balance and not overemphasize how hard right. they're throwing? Be happy and, you know, be confident in your successes in that moment, but never be satisfied. So celebrate the the victories and the small victories, but don't let it, don't let that be it. Don't let that be a plateau, but don't let this, the, the result again, there we are, the result, um, keep you from progressing. So it was like, oh my gosh, I want to throw 65. I want to throw 65. I want to throw 65. Okay. Well, what are you doing to throw 65? Are you strengthening your body? Are you going out there and are you running sprints to get your fast twitch muscles, you know, developed? Are you doing all the little things behind the scenes to try to throw hard aside from just getting out there and hoping one day I just all of a sudden throw 65? I went through. Because then that- it doesn't matter if you ever throw 65. It's what you did to throw right. 65. And it doesn't matter if you're ever this pitcher. You can dream about being Taryn Alvello, but you're not a failure if you if you don't become her, right? So it's how you get into that. I think that's a very, very important uh, point to make because you're, you can win with what you have, right? Well, and I think the part where I learned that, especially, I think, so it was eighth grade, and I was throwing maybe 60. I think I was 60 was kind of like where I was. I wasn't getting much better. Um, so Randy Majeko, my pitching coach from here, from home, he put me through, he calls it the velocity program. And he puts all of his pitchers through. I mean, it wasn't just me doing this. My dad now puts his pitchers through it. Um, and all you go for like six, six to eight weeks, three to four, and it's, you start out a light ball, a heavy ball, throwing like different, like I think 100 pitches, 
is like 25, 40% speed, just feeling the ball, like feeling the snap, the spin. Then after your warm up, you go through and it's, I have um, for 30 seconds, I have knee tuck jumps. I have one legged jumps. I have to throw, we called it the bucket drill. Um, it's, you toss the, like the, your pitching coach is sitting there or your dad and you toss the ball and it's just throwing as fast as you can get back to the mound, get back to the mound explosion. Um, all these different things that it, had, it wasn't, I don't, the ball half the time didn't even stay in the cage. I mean, it would go fuller. It would go somewhere else. It wasn't about the really mechanics. It was about strength and speed. Right. Propulsion and so, power. Exactly. And so it's like, and that, I mean, I was throwing up in these practices and I was in eighth grade. I was being put through these strenuous things to help me build my strength because I had this God-given talent, but it was like, what are you going to do with it to add to it? How, you did, have, you, how did you start to develop the control? And, and at what point did you start to develop the control? It, you know, it was, a, it was a slow process. So, I mean, when I first started pitching, like I said, I threw hard, but you didn't necessarily know where it was going to go. And then every year it would just be like, okay, we're going to try to hit this one spot four times in a row. Can you hit this one spot four times in a row? You cannot move on until you hit this spot every single time over and over. Just every day, dad would come home from work because he was a construction. He was outside in all temperatures in Ohio, extreme cold, extreme heat, whatever. As soon as he'd get home at four o'clock every day, I was pitching. Whether that be we drive somewhere to pitch in the winter, we would drive to the local YMCA and pitch in in the gym, or we'd pitch outside in our backyard if it was above 40 degrees. Like that's just, and so it was just continuously working to be better in all aspects of my control, of my speed, of my pitches. I, I laugh because I've never, to this day, I still cannot throw a drop ball. Like, I just can't. I throw a really good rise ball. I throw a really good curve ball. It's there. I have a screw ball, but I throw a fastball. I still just stick to the I, for some whatever reason, develop drop. But that doesn't, ha- that has not stopped me from working. I mean, when yeah. I'm throwing BP to my pitchers, I'm still trying to get better. Or right. to my hitters, I mean, when I'm throwing BP, I'm trying to spin drop balls. Right, right. Because I want to, even in my pro career, learn how to have a drop ball all of a sudden. You're working on it, right. Taryn, give me one second, okay? Hold on real quick. So when you say throw your fastball. Yes. And that's such a, you know, it's a, it's a, such a common term, right? So is that, is that uh, like a peel? Is that like an underspin? So what's, what's the movement of your ball on your fastball? It's a natural way. It naturally kind of has a screwball spin. Um, I've always been good with this action. So right. the curve, the rise, the screw, right. Right. that was always super easy. Like right. just and turning not- it over is the other one. So that's that right. pronation. And that's, like, you know, here, like that is hard for me to get a ball. My snapping it down with my thumb over top is just not going to work for right, me. Right. So my fastball is more of I lead with the pinky down and I snap the ball as straight as possible, is as, as true fastball spin as I can get, but it's going to spin more towards a screwball spin. Right. So I'm never going to get that downward motion. Right. It just holds its line. Have you found that most pitchers are either produ- – because we, you know, when, we, when we look at pitchers, whoever we're facing, you know, the first question we – are they predominantly overspin or underspin because most pitchers are – or either one or the other. And then every now and then you get that pitcher that can do both, right? right? And so was Gabby one of those pitchers? Can she under and over pretty well? Yeah, Gabby can. Yeah. Her rise ball has um, – it's more of like an off speed, I would think. Um, just not, can, as hard, it's not as hard as a drop? It's not as hard as her drop, but, I mean, it's it still moves. And it messes with your eyeballs because it's coming in at, like, 59 miles an hour. And then you get your hard drop, and it's like – okay, I don't know how you're doing this. You're crazy. Like I would spend hours in the bullpen being like, Gabby, teach me how to throw a drop. Well, she's got that, you know, she could go both ways. Megan Kleiss was like that too. So Megan Kleiss had that nasty drop and she had an underspin, uh, a really good underspin rise, but it wasn't as fast. And you know this, the trick to the rise ball is getting it past the batter, getting it back. So, you know, it was very deceptive, but every now and then a batter would get their bat head out on that rise ball and boom and hit it like a mile. And, you know, because that's, that's, that's a little bit tricky part of that, but there aren't many pitchers that have under and over true under and over spin, right? 
Right. I mean, and it's hard. I mean, I think if you look at Rachel Garcia, she's got a pretty good at both. Um, and, and I've seen even some of my younger girls being able to just spin both of them. Like they've just, but then like the curve or, um, I don't necessarily love to teach the screwball. I feel like if you have good enough arm action and your wrist action, and you know how to use your arm without straining your body, then you're a good person for a screwball. Cause it is a hard pitch to learn at a young age right. on the body. Um, I've been throwing it for years. It's one of my best, best pitches and favorite pitches, but ultimately that is what kind of led into my broken rib because I was overusing it. Oh, um, wow. So that was like a chronic thing. Yeah, it was a, it was a buildup. And so I teach, like when I see someone that can throw a screwball, I'm going to teach them the proper way to throw a screwball. Um, but yeah, I feel like every single pitcher is unique. Every single pitcher is different and you can't mold everyone to be one, one style. Right. Well, that's a, that's a good point, right? Because everyone's got a different, it's like batting instruction. You right. ask 20, 20 instructors how to hit a ball correctly. In the old days, you would get 20 different answers. Now you might get 15 talking about the launch angle. It's the same, but everyone's got a different style of doing something. Let me ask you this. Do you think much about the finish of the pitch? Like what at the end of the motion is, where it is, what it should look like? like do you think or talk about that much? I do in the sense of I want your hand to be as natural and relaxed as possible. Once the ball's out of your hand, it doesn't matter what you do. You can do a cartwheel for all I care. Like it, it, the ball's out of your hand, you cannot control it anymore. Um, I've never been a personal fan of like the up and like trying to hold it because then I feel like the release point gets messed up. So I'm really big on we're going to do some drills on getting to release just stopping. I have to feel that point of where the end of your pitch is. This is where you want the release point to be as consistent as possible. I mean, you want to be almost perfect with that spot. Um, and then once the ball's out of there, you can relax. You can just let the arm kind of go. Um, I mean, I think that's one thing you can look at my pitches, my, my actual pitches itself is I hit my release point but then my arm's almost different every single time. Sometimes I let it go out a little bit more. Sometimes it falls off to the side, but I hit my release point every single time. And I think that's what's important to teach is it's not the arm, it's the release point. So how do you dial in with the release point itself? Is Are there simple drills where you just kind of narrow down what's happening with the swing of the arm? Like how yeah. do you dial in? The I like when I work with my girls and my dad does too, and this came from Randy and I think this came from, because Randy Majenko's daughter pitched with Christy as well. So all of us, we're all connected in our, in our mechanics. And so I think it came from, we spend the majority of our practice at this T or K position. Right. And it's like, you start your practice backwards. You don't start throwing right off the bat. You start your progression. So you start with your snaps, you feel what your hand's supposed to feel like, and then you move to, you know, a little bit farther back, a little bit of a rock, get kind of that motion. And then you go to the K drill or the half, I call it halves or show it and throw it because right. you're just getting up, you're showing the ball and then you're snapping it. And so then start, it's like, start close and move back. Yeah. And I'll right. spend 40 minutes of the lesson, 40 minutes out of the 60 minutes on really just working on release point when with my younger girls that are just learning how to use their body. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, as we, as you can start to hit your release point and you can learn how to have an easy, relaxed arm with a good whip, then we can move into your leg drive. We can move into how do we put that part with your circle, your arm circle. Then we can do it. How do we put the arm circle with the leg drive? And then, Oh wait, now we're pitching off the mound. It's not just Is your game warm up routine. Uh, similar exactly. starting close and moving back exactly like that i don't change i mean you can ask morgan i will sit there for 15 20 minutes chatting in the warm-up just because i'm still close enough to where we're not you know she doesn't have her mask on she's sitting on her knees like sometimes she's standing up like it's just super relaxed because i want to feel that release point in my spins more than anything else and do you feel like that gets you dialed into the target so when you can hit the target at this distance then you can hit it from this distance Absolutely. Then you can hit it from this distance so i'll it's tell our pitchers find your line like find your line here then find your line here mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse me then find your line here but don't start here and the thing's going all over the place because we all know this if you in just simple making adjustments right if you miss outside with your curveball three times uh, impatient coaches, and I have definitely been like that. Well, let's just say quick, decisive coaches <laughs> in championship play, you're done. 
Right. You know, because the the predictability of us, you know, we can't afford it to spot this team three runs when we're facing El Valo on the other side. And, you know, so you may get hooked after three pitches that you didn't adjust with. And so right. finding finding that line, right, finding that line from a – I always say, you know, look, if you're going to shoot a can with a pellet gun, start close to the can, hit the can, then move back. It doesn't matter how big your gun is if you can't hit the can or if you're hunting, you're not going to eat that way. So it's it's kind of refreshing to hear you talk about the importance of starting close, spending more time close, and working your way back. Because if you've seen so many pitchers that they just – and then they finish with their walkthroughs, right? They finish with their walkthroughs, power, power – and then they go and they try to throw a strike and they're not sure where the ball's going. And it's funny that you kind of, you bring that up. So I remember one time in specific that I, and we were actually playing you in travel ball um, over at Los Alamitos when I think Van Z and sister are both on your team. We were playing you guys with Bill's team and I was like missing a lot of my spots and he came up and he said, you have one inning to make it right or I'm pulling you. And so I took our catcher behind out in the bullpen area, wherever I could and I went through my spins. I went out and I did spin work and I did like my, my half drills because I knew it was my release point that I was missing. It wasn't my leg drive. It wasn't my arm circle. It wasn't my hips or anything. It was just my release point. And I couldn't figure it out because I think I had that day, we had an earlier game and I rushed my warm up. I wasn't 100% prepared um, for that game. And I remember it's because I was stressed because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm playing sis and I'm playing Taylor. Like, I'm going to be their teammates one day. Like I have to be good. I need well, to right? think I'm good. And um, that was the time when I was like, okay, I need to go out and I need to actually work this out. I need to figure out what's wrong. And then I think I came back and I, I think we probably still lost, but I think it was like, it was better. I was able to actually hit my spots. I was throwing the right pitches. Right, right. Well, you went back and you made some adjustments. Do you think that's pretty common though, that a lot of pitchers need to learn how to warm up? how to kind of find things that the, you know, uh, the warm up. I, I watch, right. And I sit and I watch and everyone's got different backgrounds. Most of the time I find myself just shaking my head going, you know, I know that's your, I know that's your routine, but I don't see how that's preparing you. I don't yeah. see how it is. And, and, and again, just even the, the, so many of them, they'll start on spins if they are going to do spins and then they, then they increase the distance all the way to the rubber. And it's not this incremental thing. Right. Whenever I talk about hunting, which I don't shoot guns, but we have a lot of <laughs> Southeast teams, a lot of people hunt across the country and I'll tell dads, I go, so you would never miss the can three times to the left. And they go, no, of course not. And I said, well, your daughter misses her drop three times low. She misses her. And they look at me and they're like, wow. And I go, yeah, I go, if that was a BB gun, you would be like, no, you don't shoot like that. In fact, I mean, you tell me you can hit the can if the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour because you're that good of a shot, right? Mm -hmm. So you can adjust to the wind. So we try to create the same mindset with with pitchers that, okay, if the umpire's squeezing the zone, I've got to throw strike one. Because right. if I throw strike one, the umpire's going to, the batter's going to umpire more than the umpire. There's, we're always going to adapt to whatever we had. Nothing's going to stop us from getting this ball where we want to get it and no matter what we have to do. And it's just a process of that, right? Because in the end, you may win the game or you may lose the game, but what was that that classic pitch to pitch process that we talk about, right? So Taryn, the last thing I want I want to get to is again to me the, the sweet spot of, you know, again, passing on to this next generation of uh, players who are more in tune with mental stuff, or let's just say there's more information available to them. Learning how to plug it in and utilizing it, I think it's it's interesting because it's not easy, especially when you're young and you have those fiery mindsets that want to throw hard. But Okay, uh, your breath, your routine, and your conviction, right. and how big of, of that, how much does that factor into your teaching? At what point do you start talking about that with your students? Like, because that was to me such a signature um, point that enabled you to to right. do so well at the toughest moments, right? I think I think when I, I I'm targeting towards my younger girls, so my girls that are just starting. I mean, they may only have one or two pitches. And it's like at the end of their practice, we're sitting there and I always run my girls through a scenario. So I always am like, okay, it's this situation. It's bottom of the seven championship game. Um, runners at second and third, you guys are up by one run. You're the home team. So if they tie the game or whatever, like you or their home team, whatever, I always give them a situation and, and I try to make it as realistic and as challenging, like some of the hardest situations that I can think of. And I'm like, I want you to pick what pitch you want to throw. I want you to envision someone up there that, you know, is like one of the best hitters. And I want you to 
I want you to get this girl out. I want you to win this game. And so they'll go through and some of the girls that have been with me for a while know what they have to do, but some just get on and there's like, okay, drop ball. And then they throw it down the middle of the plate. And then I'm like, okay, you just said what you want to throw, but you didn't do anything to prepare for that. They rushed right through it. Right. They rushed right through it. In a very, so then I'm in a like, very normal way for them. It's very normal. And you're just seeing, well, yeah. you have got to put the periods at the end of the sentence yeah. and stop before you move on. Right. Then that's when I'm like, nope, same situation again. But now they scored. So you gave up that run. So now it's a tied ball game. The winning run for them is on, is on third base. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to, I mean, I'm like, no, you're going to go in there. You're going to get on the mound. You're going to, but before you get on the mound, you're going to say what pitch you're going to throw, but then you're going to take a step back. You're going to breathe. You're going to know what you have to do. And I say, you have, you have like a split second to run through a checklist in your head. Okay. I know I'm throwing a rise ball. I have to hit this point and I have to get this amount of leg drive and I have, I have to do this. And then as soon as you step on the mound, when you take that deep breath, all of those thoughts, that checklist goes away and your mind's completely blank. And then after that breath, it is 100% conviction. You give everything you have to that pitch. And then they realize, wait, I can actually, and then they throw the perfect pitch and then they're like, wow, it works. And I'm like, yeah, see, it, it works. You enabled them. It's, it's enabling themselves. They already have it inside them. They just right. don't know how to get it out. Right. So have you noticed how many pitchers don't even walk to the back of the circle? They just go oh, right yeah. back to the rubber. Absolutely. And then I'm just like, what are you doing? I said, first of all, Yes, I get you're young and you have all this energy, but when you like are like 20 years old, you're not going to have enough energy to keep throwing like this. You're going to need to set, take a second and breathe because, I mean, you're young now and you have a good body and you have all this energy, but it's going to quickly run out. And so that time of isn't just about, you know, collecting your thoughts, but it's also letting your body breathe and sure. letting your mind breathe and let, and everything connect. And, and it's like I give these girls this opportunity to fail. I want them to fail so I can teach them. But I'm not going to sit there and tell them exactly what to do right off the bat. I want them to have a chance to figure it out on their own. And I think it's like kind of just baptism by fire. You throw them in, you let them see what they have to do. And then it's like, wait a second, that didn't work. But what she's saying actually does work. Wait a second. She knows what she's talking about. Well, I should try to do it too. And then it's like, they felt what it was like to fail, but then they know, know what it feels like to succeed and they know the differences. It's not just by chance that they did it. So it's a little bit of sink or swim in a, in a good caring environment, kind of like a, um, you know, in, in police training, it's not being out there with real people. It's those simulations where the thing pops up and are you going to shoot the dog? Are you going to shoot the bad person? Or, right. so, and do you feel like you're able to create some of that pressure for them? So to create some discomfort for them, or is it sometimes a lack of them just being able to visualize and they rush through things because they're not really in the moment yeah. and they get on the field and they're like, man, that was scary. So right. are you able to recreate some of that pressure for them? I try my best. Um, I always, since I was little, I'm an only child. So I've really had this overly active imagination so for me it's been easy to like create a scenario and feel it and some of these girls they don't have that they're very they're a lot more analytical type a just very structured give me what you want me to do and so I've had to adapt okay take a second I want you to close your eyes and I want you to try your best to see this in your mind and this came from and for me I can remember a specific point when I was younger me and my dad were actually at our, our church. We, they have like a rec room and we were throwing and he was like, I want you to close your eyes before every single pitch. And I want you to see what you want yourself to look like. And at first I didn't get it. And I was like, okay. And you just closed and, your then, eyes. and then I just closed my eyes and then I would breathe. And sometimes I'd be sitting there for like two minutes, like trying to get my brain to work. And it was like, I was sitting there and then all of a sudden I could legitimately picture a person pitching. And in my head, it was always like a Jenny Finch, Kat Osterman type body person pitching, but my face was on them. Uh It was my own version of myself and I was perfect. And it was always me pitching at like a college level. There was always a bunch of people there. Like I created a whole scenario and, but it didn't just happen. And it was my dad implementing that seed into my head. Hey, I want you to, I want you to use your brain. I want you to sit and think. Um, okay, but I I got, I've got to ask you now. Okay, so now, now you end up going through the College World Series. You end up being in those moments. Did you reflect back on that training at any point 
you know, after games of the World Series or when it was all done, right? You're all done, played your last game. And then did you ever go back and retrace that? Oh my gosh, I used to put myself in these situations in, in Finch's body in my face. And yeah, I mean, it, it's funny, but I, st- I mean, I still do it to this day. And it's always the same image. It's the same. It's never changed. The scenes, the setting has never changed. Um, the pitches have changed. And obviously my knowledge of the game has changed, but that image that I have in my brain has always been there. And it's when I walk back to the circle, when I do my walk, my eyes are open, but I'm still thinking that I've trained myself, my visual training and my imagination and what I've done with my mental training is I can have that same image with my eyes open. And it, and I know this sounds weird to some people and they're like, cause I've tried to explain it to some dads or to other, <clears throat> excuse me, other softball people. And they just like, don't get it. And I'm like, you need to literally paint the picture in your mind. Right. And and some get it, some don't, but it worked for me. And it's worked for so many of my little girls because it's like, they're still in an age where they can be molded. They can, right. they know how to be taught something like this. Right. So, no. so your advice to these young girls, <laughs> these young ladies are to make sure that even if it's not natural, you may be in an environment that's well-intended, but constantly pointing what you're doing wrong or constantly right. like talking about worrying about the outcome. Cause that's what a lot right. of people do, but you owe it to yourself to what visualize success um, and would you recommend utilizing someone else if it's hard, if it's hard to see yourself successful? Is that right. you think that's why you did that? I think so. I think it's because I watched, you know, I'd get on YouTube and I would watch, you know, Michelle Smith. I would watch Kat Osterman. So you, em- you emulated them. It wasn't that you didn't see yourself being you. You wanted right. to see other people that were successful and then you put your face on them. And as much as I loved them and as much as I idolized them, I always wanted to be better than them. And and that was one thing that I think it was like, the reason I put my face on their body was because it's like, I see what they're doing. And I'm a 12 year old girl out here pitching, trying to pitch exactly like them. Because when I'm their age, I want to be better than what they're doing now. Did you ever, were you ever able to, to just before the game, during the game, you look at, you're in that pitch to pitch college world series, heated games, man, you're throwing awesome. It, did you ever at point just look around and go, this is pretty freaking cool from back run road to <laughs> working with Randy to breaking things, knocking walls down. And are you kidding me? Like at what point did that, you know, we, we ask our players all that time because those, those are kind of pinch me moments, right? Did you take a, a second to kind of stop and smell the roses in the middle of all that? When did, did that happen? When did it happen? Um, I think I did it more so my sophomore year when we made it to the world series the first time. Um, it was, it was more so when I'm sitting in the dugout. Cause when I'm out pitching, like I'm totally one track mind. Um, but it, or like the walk in. So before the game, when the teams walk in from each corner and they're walking to their dugout, that's when you soak up everything. You have the fans, the little girls, mom's dad shaking your hand. And like every single time, every single time I've done that, I cry. Like I, I have the biggest smile on my face. I have tears in my eyes. And it's not because it's like, oh, it's, I may never get to do this again. It was that little image in my head, pitching at the YMCA, pitching in a church, pitching in a backyard with my dad was actually living that scenario. Yeah. And how about seeing all those young girls, you know, waiting for your autograph afterwards and just, you know, how many times do you see yourself in them, possibly see them down the road or something right. like that? Because that's, you know, again, and not always easy after a tough loss or there, but it's still a responsibility to them, right? Well, and that's too, and, you know, I, I have so many people be like, well, after you lose or you're out there and you're crying and it's like, yeah, I, you know, I want them to see that I am emotional. I want these little girls to know that it meant something to me because one day I want it to mean something to them. I'm not going to just wipe away the tears and put a smile on my face and act like everything's okay after we have just gotten beat and we're done in the world series or we're in the championship game and we lose. Um, no, I'm not going to fake being happy in those moments. Yes. I want to smile for a picture. Yes. I want to give them hugs, but I want them to feel what I'm feeling in the sense of this game is emotional, this game, and it's okay to cry. It's okay Okay to to be vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Especially especially nowadays. I mean, it's, 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 it's okay to be who you are. You know, I will tell you, there was a day and your parents would tell you that there was a day where it wasn't you. It was more important to fake things, you know, put it up. And I know there's a certain amount of that today, but no, actually the, truth is it's 
it's more accepted to be vulnerable now and own whatever you are now more than ever. And I think that's part of it. Did you ever find yourself, uh, because you're, you, again, you're just being honest with it. Did you ever find yourself reassuring them? Like, no, I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not upset because I feel like I, I you know, lost, you know, we lost the war of the world, but it's, it's, I'm okay. Like I'm re- reassuring you. I'm okay. It's just, this is what I feel. Yeah. And I mean, I remember there was this one, one, I mean, maybe this is bad that I can't remember what year it is. I think it was my junior year. Um, we have this fan, her name's Jaren. She actually runs UW softball edits on Instagram. Like she makes all these crazy highlight films and she had reached out to me at some point about something. And I mean, she was young at this time and I was like, Hey, I have extra tickets. I'm not using all my tickets. You live close enough to drive. I want you and one other person to come. I want you to experience this. So I gave her my very own tickets. She sat in the family section. She came with her face painted. Like Morgan Flores is her favorite person. Um, And I've created this relationship with her now. And it's, you know, it's, she actually, like, I reached out to her. I said, hey, I want a really cool kick butt highlight film for my website. Can you make me one? She's like, sure. And so she's done that. And, but that after that game, she came up and I mean, I was crying, whatever. And she laughed because like I was crying so hard that I knocked a burrito, my burrito out of my hand. And then I just kind of kept crying and she sent me like a message and she was just like, Oh, like I was like, I'm okay. I'm happy you're here. And I'm happy you're seeing this. And then just the other day she laughed and I was reading back through our messages and she's like, I owe you a burrito. And I'm like, no, you don't owe me a burrito. <laughs> like not, I didn't drop my burrito cause I was talking to you or whatever. I dropped my right. burrito cause I'm a klutz, but like, <laughs> <laughs> we like and then in those moments I was crying but I was laughing and right. she saw that I was okay and I've built that relationship with her and I've done that with so many other little girls and I've had moms and dads reach out to me like hey like I know that was a tough time for you thank you for taking five minutes out of your day and not just getting straight on the bus but talking to our family and that's the biggest I mean I would so much rather have that than a national championship. Well, and there's the there's the combination of your fiery competitiveness that takes you where you're at, but you're also humble. And to be humble, I think, is a very important uh, principle, a core principle to to understand. Being uh, arrogant and conceited is really only this far away from being humble and gracious. But it's right. a big difference because when you're conceited or you haven't learned, some people are just not naturally humble, right? And so, so, but it's important to learn that I think when you're in public space because it pulls people into your story. And if you don't learn that, they don't feel part of your story. And if anything, they feel a part of it, then they're happy you lost or, you know, it's kind of that thing. Right. And so for you to have that, and that compassion with your fan base, I think is great because that's what really seals it. It ends up now, just as you say, I don't even remember what year it was. I'm not sure what the score was. Like the, the general details will start to fade as you get older. You're always going to remember those signature things, but you will never for the rest of your life, forget dropping that burrito. You know, right. it's like talking about Colorado. You're going to forget when that, you know, the big recruiting tournament, you forget most of those games. But if you get to go river rafting, you'll never forget river rafting. You'll remember right. that for the rest of your life. So in the end, yeah, you know, Colorado's about recruiting coaches, but those big takeaways are just huge. So I, I think that's just huge. Karen, I've really, um, for me. Okay, so Taryn, I really appreciate like just getting to know you, you know, entering the we, we need help like us guys and everyone coaching and teaching. We're so excited about the new generation of instructors and people that are passing on things to our, our young people learning this game. And so for me, I wanted to get a chance to get to know you. And I want anyone, whether we have five or six people watching this, to get a chance to get to know you a little bit, a little bit about your story. So I appreciate everything. What I'd like to do is the next time that we talk, get, we'll talk about Taryn Alvello pitching. You know, we're going to talk about it. So is that what it's called? Is it Terra Novella Pitching? What is the name of your website? Like, what is it? It's it's still in the, the process of being built. Each day yep. I go back and forth. Do I want my name on it? Or do I want more of like a T dot and then Velo? Because I have Velo in my name. And it's like, how ironic is that? I throw hard and I have Velo literally in my last name. So That's it's like. So still building your brand. Yeah, I'm still in that. I'm in the very basic, like just starting out. I I don't even have like every day I'm going up and I'm rebuilding a website. I'm like starting something new, throwing it all out. 
Um, that, that's okay. So you're, you're in that design. What I'd like to do is just, again, if it's okay with you, stay tied in with you, continue conversation. So, you know, for us, we can, and this is really about all softball people, right? It's not about organization. It's about, you know, we have friends all over the place. I feel like we've worked hard on only competing on the field, not competing off the field. And so uh, I'd like to continue to follow your story. And then for us, not just benefit you know, the pitchers in our organization, it's anybody. We have a lot of people, I, I think, on the outside that take a peek at what we're doing. And I would just like to create a window and a portal to what you're doing. So to be part of it. So if it's okay with you, we'll come back in a week or two. We'll, we'll start getting into some meat and potatoes of some of your instructions, some of the things you think about and, and pass on to your students. But I really, really appreciate your time today and kind of what went into your background and your history and what made you what you, what you are. So we we'll look forward to talking with you again in the future, okay? I'm excited. Thank you so much. Thanks, Terrence.